Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuhu. When a diamond is pulled from the ground, <laughs> uh, it doesn't look like what you see in engagement rings. It's a diamond in the rough. Uh, it's sort of a cloudy look. And then it's, uh, it's taken and processed. And first they put it in a tumbler, which kind of smooths it out a little bit. And then they look at it and decide how to facet it. And they take parts of it off so that it can reflect the light. This is what a sheikh does to his students. He takes students who come to him in the rough and begins the process of making it possible for them to reflect the light, to reflect the truth. Now, a lot of the sheikh's work is done just by being who he is and being the example for the students so the students can see what it's like in the process. So the student has the end result in front of him. And the sheikh is often referred to, the teacher is often referred to, as a mirror. And he's a mirror for a lot of reasons. Uh, and as you understand more, you understand more about what the mirror is like because you start becoming the mirror. At first, the mirror just reflects possibilities of what you can be. Those possibilities are limited to how much of yourself you've let go. So, what you're able to see is a projection of the way your mind thinks. And the way your mind thinks will form the image of the teacher. I know people who when they first see a teacher and report to me what they see, come away with very, very strange projections. Um, some project an exalted being. Some project animal qualities. Some people are so stuck in their animal qualities that they can only project animal qualities. So it's evident that the first step in this process is a step where no matter what your mind is telling you, there's a voice with some strength 
coming from your heart that says, sit still and listen. That says, pay attention, even though you don't understand what's going on. Don't run away. Because the inclination, when you're with something that is foreign to you, that you're uncomfortable with, is to run away. Most people are looking for a comfort zone. They're not looking to be tumbled in a tumbler and have parts of them cut off. That's not their intention. But, in reality, unless you're willing to go through that, you can't come out on the other side. Now, the other part that makes this difficult is that in ignorance, it's impossible to understand wisdom. In ignorance, it's impossible to understand the nature of what's exalted. As our teacher often said to us, only God can know God. Only God can understand the qualities of God. Only the qualities can understand the qualities. So, if you are not within the qualities, you can't understand the qualities. You imagine the qualities. And that imagination, in effect, hinders your progress. Because your imagination comes from the mind, and your reality comes from the heart. And as long as the mind is the functioning entity within you that guides everything that you're doing, you haven't moved into the area that can touch reality, that can be in touch with reality. Now, the difference between the mind and the heart is profound. The mind has an I and thou relationship with the world. It sees what is outside of itself and it deals with what is outside of itself as separate from itself, as something different. It's the realm of the intellect, the realm of fiddling with what's outside to make it conform to what it is that your desire needs. The heart, on the other hand, is where reality subsides. Allah put a soul in all of us, and that soul exists in the heart. And that's one way to describe it. And when you're in touch with that part of yourself, that's the true self. And it's an undifferentiated part from everything else. So if you're looking from here, you don't see, I'm pointing to my heart, if you're looking from your heart, you don't see the same way as if you're looking from your mind. If you're filtering through your mind, you don't see in the same way 
as if you're filtering through the heart. The heart is the real you. And everything aside from that is the created imaginary you that's come from your mind projections, that's come from your egocentric self, that the mind is constantly trying to make bigger, make more important, make... uh, more dominant. So, the mind constantly needs to be involved. Constantly needs to be active within illusion. The heart doesn't need to be active within illusion. It doesn't need the kind of reward that the mind believes it gets from being active in illusion. Fulfillment of desire is that the is the reward that the mind anticipates and that the mind looks for. So we go through this constant process of desire, effort, fulfillment of desire except as this goes on fulfillment of desire becomes hollow just as the initial desire was hollow and that's why people walk around saying is that all there is The sheikh is different. Imagine the mirror. Does the mirror have an opinion of what it shows? Does the mirror control what comes in front of it? Does the mirror have an emotional reaction? to what comes in front of it? Or does the mirror just reflect what comes in front of it? To the mirror, everything is the same. It sees all things the same. It sees all things as a reflection of itself. Anything that comes in front of the mirror ends up inside of the mirror, ends up at one with the mirror. Can we see the world as a reflection of ourselves? Can we see everyone in this room as part of ourself, as being at one? with us? Or do we see everything as separate from ourselves and outside of our self? The teachers tell us 
that everything in this world is an illusion. And that in reality, we go beyond this illusion. So, what should our attitude be in our existence towards our interactions with people? How do we act appropriately with those who come before us, with those we interface with? Well, if you watch an enlightened being, you will see that kindness is his repertoire, that humility is in his repertoire, that giving is in his repertoire. He laughs with those who laugh, he cries with those who cry, He's joyous with the joyous. He grieves with the ones who are grieving. He doesn't have to create. He can join in what's going on. When you are dealing with illusion and you feel you have to push it and pull it to make things happen, then you are in the midst of trying to create scenarios that make you joyous to create scenarios that make you happy because your desire is to stay away from difficulty, is to stay away from things that cause you distress. So you're constantly trying to create situations and scenarios that cause you to be happy. And people spend an enormous amount of their life and time trying to do this, often to no avail, or often for scant moments of happiness. The being who's reached wisdom, on the other hand, doesn't differentiate illusion. You see, differentiating illusion is really a funny concept. This isn't real, but it's this. This isn't real, but it's that. This isn't real, but it's this. This isn't real, but it's that. The only part is, we don't say this isn't real. We say this is this and this is that. Forgetting that the basis is illusion. The basis is breaking free of the attachment to this and that, to the result of things. In uh, the older days, uh, when someone came into a Sufi monastery, which is called a Darga, the Sheikh would give them menial, repetitive work to do over and over and over and over. Why? To break them of their egos. To break them of their need to be important. Their need to be in charge. Their need 
to create scenarios. Imagine if you're looking for enlightenment and somebody says, go chop wood and doesn't tell you to do anything else for the next 20 years. Imagine if you're looking for enlightenment and somebody tells you to go clean toilets and sweep the floors and doesn't tell you to do anything else for the next 20 years. Imagine if you're looking for enlightenment and somebody says, go stir the pots in the kitchen for the next 20 years and doesn't tell you to do anything else. It takes some intense determination to believe that chopping wood and cleaning toilets and stirring pots is going to alter you, is somehow going to change you from who you are into the one who told you to clean the toilets and sweep the floors and clean and stir the pots. It takes faith that you found a place that can change you. Now, in this modern world, at least in America, we don't need to chop wood for heat in the cities. We don't need to do a lot of the things that needed to be done on a daily basis just to exist in the year 1200 or 1300 or 1400 or 600. But what we do need to do is understand that illusion hasn't changed. And the illusion that existed back then still exists now. And our interaction with all of this hasn't changed. And our ability to understand that hasn't changed. So man comes into this world dropped into illusion and his purpose is to escape from this ocean of illusion by traveling over it and reaching the shore of reality. And the shore of reality happens when the bridge is crossed from the mind to the heart. And the heart becomes the functioning part of your being. They've recently discovered that the mind and the heart share the same cells. The heart has brain cells in it, um, which may or may not indicate anything, but <laughs> to the scientists it indicates that the mind has a thinking ability, that the mind has an active ability to coordinate things. Not to the extent that the brain has, but to some extent. And the question is, what extent is that? And what is it that the heart does? And what is it that the brain does? You use your brain for the ordinary functions of your daily life. You, you, you shift to the heart for the connection to reality. So, we are of the flesh. We're skeletons. We need to eat. We need housing. 
we need to do certain things, but when those are accomplished, we also need to be real. And we become real by leaving the mind world and entering the heart world. And the heart world is different than the mind world. The mind world is the world of illusion. The heart world is the world of Allah, the world of Rahman, and the world of Rahim. Now, some of the things that you learn from the Sheikh that you see when you're in close contact with him is the consistency of who he is. The consistency of his reactions to things. The absolute nature, unswerving and unfaltering, that he is. Allah's qualities are absolute. Rahman, mercy, is an absolute quality. It isn't now and then. It's absolute. Rahim, compassion, isn't now and then. It's absolute. And we are given instructions as to the kinds of things that we can't do in the world if we want to reach the absolute nature of Rahman, Rahim, Allah. For instance, gossip is forbidden. Now, that doesn't mean some gossip is forbidden. That means gossip is forbidden. That means don't carry other people's names in your mouth. Don't talk about other people. You can't do that and, at the same time, be absolute mercy and compassion. There is something in Sufism called Wahid, which means unity. If you are knocking someone, if you are degrading someone, you've broken unity. And when unity is broken, your attachment to reality is broken. So, you're told these things for a reason. As soon as differences are set up, unity is broken. As soon as there's a, a him and a me, unity is broken. And when unity is broken the connection to Allah doesn't exist. Because Allah is in unity, and we're outside of unity. So our personal habits, our personal etiquette, has to be at the highest possible level. As we practice not doing these things, as we practice not being angry, as we practice not being resentful, as we practice not being jealous, as we practice not being these things, then automatically 
kindness comes into our being. Why? Because we have nothing to stop the kindness. And the kindness is our natural state. Helping is our natural state. And unless we have interference with our natural state, our natural state rises to the forefront. And that's why all of these things are forbidden to us. Not because of what we're doing to other people. It's what we're doing to ourselves. Resentment was once described as swallowing poison and thinking it's going to affect the other person. We need to understand that. That jealousy is a poison for us. Resentment is a poison for us. Differences are a poison for us. They infect us. They poison us. So everything that we think we're doing to people outside of ourselves, we're doing to us. And it's only when we can include people outside of ourselves in us that we become real. When I look at you, can I trade places with you? When I look at you, can I enter you? Or is there something about you that I resent and it stops me? Or that I feel beneath me or above me that stops me? Do I have some kind of interaction with you that stops me from becoming you? The mirror sees it all the same. We can see it all the same. Or we can see it all differently. We have to decide if we're willing to see it all the same. And at each step, we have to decide again. There's a Sufi tradition that they don't step on thresholds. They cross them. And why don't they step on them? Because the threshold can become a resting place that you get stuck in. A long time ago, before I knew that, I had written a poem that says, On the road to infinity, there are an infinite number of thresholds to cross. Each one of them beckons you to call it home. If you stay, you will change from a pilgrim to a defender of thresholds. And that's what we have to realize. We're moving. We're constantly moving. And if we're into stopping, it's over. It's over at whatever point you got to. And that's what happens. I'm here. I found it. This is it. No, it isn't. You've got to keep going. But people keep writing books about where they are at the moment. When I was in Turkey, I was with a group of sheikhs, and we were talking about books. And one of them says, 
it's no use reading a teacher's books. You have to go see him because he's not the same person he was when he wrote the book. And we have to realize that. We're not the same person we were yesterday if we're moving. If we're not moving, we we may not only be the same person we were yesterday, we may be the same person we were eight years ago or 15 years ago. We've somehow got to continue to be open and to do this on a steady basis. To be kind on a steady basis. To be open to others on a steady basis. To be able to accept all people on a steady basis. To be without the arrogance that separates us from others. Some sheikhs, when you go to kiss their hand, won't let you kiss their hand, and their response will be, your hand is the same as my hand. Think about that. They've passed the cellular differences. Can we pass the cellular differences? The cellular differences are part of illusion. They disappear and they dissipate. These cells are only here for a certain period of time. And it's interesting, the word cell. We're made up of cells and we're in a cell. We're in the jail of the body, the cell of the body, and we're made up of cells. And these cells dissipate. In time, they'll be gone. Recently, lots of people in our organization have passed, and we keep ending up for Janaza prayers over and over and over. Uh, there's a uh, book called The Conference of the Birds, and uh, it's a group of uh, poems. Um, sort of telling the story of a sheikh taking students uh, to reality. And it stops every once in a while, and there's a story to illustrate a point. And they come to a grave digger, and they ask him, uh, is there anything you've learned doing this job? And he said, uh, I've been doing this for the last 50 years, and I've been putting people in the ground over and over and over but I haven't realized that I'm going there too and I haven't begun to change to be ready for what happens when I do go we have to be ready for the next phase of life not of death of life we have to be ready for the next phase of existence the non-cellular phase, the light phase. And it's coming. And the question is, can it come to you while you are still in the cellular phase? To die before death is the Sufi way of life. To be able to give up the attachment to everything that we do. To be able to forget our habits to be able to forget our likes and our dislikes, to be able to forget 
everything that we have been taught, everything that we considered important, chop wood and carry water. (laughs) This is a Buddhist expression. Before enlightenment, you chop wood and carry water. After enlightenment, you chop wood and carry water. The point is, you take care of what the cell needs, but that's it. Now, what happens is the mind projections prior to knowing yourself are a lot different than the mind projections after knowing the truth about yourself. And it's, a, it's within the framework of love that you're able to cross this bridge. If I don't love you, I'm not going to react to you in the same way that I am if I do love you. The, 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 the example that always comes to mind is the baby. You don't mind changing a baby's diapers because you love the baby. Well, we all need our diapers changed sometimes. And we all have to change somebody else's diapers sometimes. And it's not exactly diapers. It's whatever situation we're in that's unpleasant with somebody. We have to be able to help unpleasant situations. We have to be able to be kind to unpleasant situations. And this kindness can take us a long way. It can break our separations. And we have to be able to break our separations. It can break our distinctions. And we have to be able to break our distinctions. As Bawa always said, there is no race, there is no color, there is no religion. In wisdom... This is all the same. And if these things are distinct for you, if you see them as differences between yourselves and others, you have stopped your ability to enter reality. Because you've created veils. You've created walls. You've created impediments to reality. And the impediments are of your own making. They come from your own mind. So when the mind goes into creating impediments, we, as people on the path, have to realize what's going on. And we, as people on the path, have to somehow do something to stop it and shift to the heart which doesn't see those differences which doesn't see those impediments to reality Bauer would say that the way to Allah is through a melting heart through a compassionate heart he didn't say it's through a melting mind through a compassionate mind because it's not 
through the mind. It's through the heart. You can't think your way to God. You have to non-think your way to God. And the road happens through you absorbing the exalted qualities and not allowing the satanic qualities to interfere with your being. The satanic qualities come from Satan. And Satan does what? He whispers into your ear. Now, what does that make you imagine? He's whispering to your mind. He's not whispering to your heart because he can't affect your heart. Your heart stays clean. So, as, as, as polluted as your mind may be, your heart stays clean. So, don't think that because we've committed a thousand sins, there isn't a part of us that's clean. There is. The heart remains clean. The heart is unpolluted. The mind is polluted. The heart is not polluted. And if we can make that switch, we can become non-polluted. It's only if we keep imagining that we are the mind, we will continue to be the sinner. We will continue to be the one that is creating veils for ourself, that is creating the difficulties for ourself. This is how it works. So, if you are guilty about anything, realize that it's your mind that's guilty. It's not you that's guilty. And if you can leave your mind behind, you leave your guilt behind. If you leave your mind behind, you leave all the things you've done wrong behind. If you leave your mind behind, you've repented. Because you're not functioning from that level any longer. And it's in repentance that we find our relief from illusion. That we find our relief from all of the influences that Satan puts upon us. So, if there's nobody home in the mind, Satan has nobody to talk to. He can't influence you any longer. He can't push you towards difficulty because you're not involved. So, imagine... If your life is a prayer towards the truth, towards reality, and is not involved with the world of illusion, it's bypassed it. And you no longer struggle with the push and pull of the world. Bowie used to call it the shaker-maker work. There was a toy that you put... uh, something into you would shake it and you'd open it up and something would come out. It was called a shaker maker. 
and he called our involvement with the world shaker-maker work. We're constantly trying to create things in illusion. We're constantly pushing and pulling and trying to form illusion into something that will do something to fulfill the desires that our mind is trying to fulfill. There's no desires that need to be fulfilled other than the desire to know God, other than the desire to know reality. And as we can give up all of those desires, we can become real. And when we can become real, we can reflect the light. We become a diamond in this world. We become the jewels of the sheikh's eyes. We become the truth in this world because the truth is only evident in the ones who have touched reality. The truth is only evident in the ones who have left illusion. May we be the ones who find reality. Amin, amin. Ya Rabbil Alameen, Assalamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh.